Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Quick apology because of the delay. There's a little bit of technical difficulties, but we are here on the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. This is show number 60. My name is Felipe Leon, and like always, my co-host, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing today? Very, very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Trying to deal with this rain. Uh, but here we are on the show once again, and I believe we have a special guest with us on the line, David. Um, is the area code, uh, they're calling in 561? Uh, yes. Okay, so without further ado, let's patch her in. We have with us for the second time here on the two-minute round, none other than the WBC, IBF, and WBA middleweight champion in the world, the undefeated two-time gold medalist, Miss Clarissa T-Rex Shield. Clarissa, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Thank you for asking. My name is Felipe with you uh, again, and I'm going to pass the baton again to Mr. David. David, go ahead. Hi, Clarissa. This is David. Um, I met you in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes, I'd like I to thank you, too. Thanks a lot for having that face-to-face in Las Vegas. Uh, that was the first time I'd met you, and, and uh, it was a good interview. How are things going for you? Uh, things are going good. I'm just not getting back in a camp for the hammer fight, and uh, I'm just I'm, I'm just getting back in the, I'm getting back into the swing of things. But just excited that we got the fight locked in, and I've just been training. Oh. You know, first of all, uh, tell me about your first gig as an analyst for uh, boxing. What was that like? So I did my first time being a, a commentator at Justice last weekend, and it was on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, it was actually nerve-wracking, but it was a good nerve-wracking. It was like, you know, something that I'm that I'm not great at, you know, but... I I didn't know that I was great at it until I did it. So I found out really quick that, you know, I know how to commentate. I know how to, you know, look at the camera. And I know how to talk and not slur my words. And that that could be a career for me down the line. So I did a, I did a pretty good job. What, what was the hardest thing about it? Um, The hardest thing was finding the, finding the rhythm of my partner. Like I had a partner, uh, Corey Edwards, and me and him, you know, um, he would talk and I would talk, so it's more of learning how not to talk over him and when to talk and explain the fight. So it's like a rhythm between you and your partner. Like some people want to talk the whole round, some want to, you know, just one person talking about the boxing and one person talking about the the people. It, it's it's a lot of stuff you got to learn, but it's about just the rhythm between you and your partner. So once we got the rhythm now, it was everything was easy. Were there any surprises? No, it wasn't. Any, the only the only surprise was that I was good. That was the only surprise. <laughs> like I thought I wouldn't be as good, but um, when I went back and I watched it and I looked at it, I was like, "Wow, professional, professional." <laughs> <laughs> you got a future. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I hear you're going to be on TV again. That uh, you're going to be taping tomorrow in Los Angeles. Uh, what can you tell us about it? About what I'm doing tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Well, we're just doing a taping for Family Feud. It's a boxing edition, so it's a bunch of world champions on team. So it's, you know, five of us, five world champions versus another five world champions. And, um,. We're going to do Family Feud, basically, but it doesn't air till May. So this is just a taping for it. We don't know who's going to win or who's going to lose. We find out tomorrow as we play the game, like everybody else. And I, I heard that it's, 
it's comprised of nothing but Olympians. Just yeah, Olympians, talk about it. world. Yeah, it's Olympians, world champions. Like I don't even know everybody who's going to be there yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I was wondering if uh, you got to meet uh, or got to talk to any of the other Olympians that are going to be on the show. Um, just one, Michaela Mayer, and maybe I had a few words with Andre Ward, but I don't know who else is going to be there. I think it's just it's not just a show about Olympians, but it's Olympians, world champions, um, former world champion. Like I ran into Dame Tony at my hotel, so I'm thinking like. Is he going to be on the show with us? Like, I have no idea. I know that he's on the show before, so I wouldn't be surprised he's on it this this one, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, James is uh, pretty good at the show. He's a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, next that's, time you see him, tell him, tell, tell, tell him that David Avila said hi. Okay. Yeah, and so, so let's talk about your, your next fight. What was it like? Watching uh, Christina uh, Hammer fight, knowing that if she lost, that everything was down the drain. What what was that like watching it? Or did did you watch it at all? Um, you know, David, I didn't I didn't feel anything. You know, one, um, it was like kind of a huge disappointment because I was, you know, I would have been willing and ready to fight her in March if she would have gave a word because I was supposed to be her first fight back after her sickness and. All of a sudden, she's fighting someone else. Um, it wasn't no doubt in my mind that she wasn't going to win because of the opponent she was fighting. She fought against a girl that was 7-8 and eight and had been knocked out her last two fights. So, you know, just with that, I was like, you know, this is going to be easy work for her. Um, and all in all, if she would have lost, my goal would have stayed the same, to become undisputed and fight whoever had the belt. So it doesn't really matter who has the belt. It's just my job to get them. So I wasn't worried at all about any outcome or, or, or anything like that. Well, well, now that you know the fight time for sure, what are you doing to prepare uh, anything different? I'm doing the same thing I always do. I, I focus I, and I make me a list of about 20 things. And, uh, you know, I mark off my list as I go. You know, I start back running. I start back eating right. I, um you know, start back getting mentally prepared for for the big fight and um just really just getting in shape and then me and my coach come up with a game plan. You know, and it's really just about me being in the best shape and me being the best me that I could be in order to win the fight. So it really doesn't I mean, like no disrespect to her, it's not about her, you know, it's all about me. I never focus on my opponent. I never do that. I'm always like, if you were getting in the ring with yourself what would you do? Like, what would you, you know, have to do? And it's like, I'm getting prepared to fight against the best me. It's not really about Hammer. And this is your third fight as a middleweight? Is that, is that correct? Fourth. Fourth? How do you feel yeah. now? How, is, it, is it an easier thing to, to get down to a fighting weight? Um, well, I had... I hadn't made 60 in a while, but when I made my, I made 60, made like my second or third fight uh, when I fought for the NABS and I fought at 160. And it wasn't really long, you know, after the Olympics, but then after I moved to 168, I was walking around at 175, 178. So now they're like, okay, now you're going from from 178 to 160 now. Um, the first time making 160 was well. The second time making 160 for the Hannah Gabriel after fighting a year at 68 was hard because, you know, you always feel like oh you can drop the weight, but it's like sometimes it just doesn't come off or you don't do it the right way. So the first time, um, so the second time making a 160, the weight didn't come off as easy because I had never been that heavy before or had that much time off of boxing. Now, my last two fights at 160, I've had a great nutrition team. Um, I work with professional athletes, and, I mean, they are fantastic. They help me with everything. When I'm not in camp, they help me with uh, food to eat. When I am in camp, they send my food every week. You know, so it's not really um, hard now. You know, so making 160 won't be a problem for me. You get a lot of people that are trying to give you advice all the time on how to fight Christina Hammer or, or how to uh, – 
approach the side? Do you do people like that? Yeah, you know, um, some people, you know, since the fight have got announced, you know, I've got messages from some fans like, we, like you know, we we uh, we think you're a great fighter, but we don't think you're ready for Hammer. I've got you know people trying to tell me how I should fight there, that I shouldn't stay on the outside, and I should just go on the inside and be super aggressive. I have people tell me, you know, just throw nothing but body shots. You know, making it seem like I'm going to be the one who has to make all the adjustments, you know. And I think that um, people just underestimate my skills. Like, people people fail to realize that I'm the one that's been to two Olympics twice. I'm the one that fought against all these different kind of countries and different styles. Not Christina Hammer, but... Um, and people don't realize, too, like, look at the opponents that I fought in just two years of being pro. Christina Hammer would not do well with Hannah Gabriel. You know, and if Christina Hammer would have fought Tori Nelson years ago, she wouldn't have did well with her either. It's like, who has Tori Nelson fought for? I mean, who has Christina Hammer fought for everybody to say that, you know, she's just going to walk through me? I don't even think she has the skills nor the, nor the power, honestly. So, so um, your fight's going to be in Atlantic City. Um, what do you foresee happening in uh, in your fight in Atlantic City? Really, I've, I've actually been thinking, like, it can be either a quick stoppage, I think, like, maybe, like, a third, fourth-round knockout, or it's going to be a late stoppage, like the ninth or the tenth round. Like, I believe that I can pressure Hammer and hurt her so bad, and I believe that she don't have any heart. I believe she'll she'll quit. She'll quit if the fight gets too hard. She'll quit if it's not going her way, and it's not going to go her way. Like, if she loses... When she loses the first five rounds, she's going to start looking for a way to get out. She's going to be trying to hold. She's going to be trying to make me foul her. She's going to look for a way out. She knows that she can't beat me. And, um, you know, and and, and and I watched her fight against Sophie Ann Mathis. She quit. She gave up. She couldn't keep the girl off of her fourth round. And then um, she gets knocked on the ground and complained that she got hit in the back of the head. And they called her fight off. And then she wins by disqualification. She got knocked out. That wasn't no um, disqualification. She got hit and went down to the ground. That's a knockout. Uh, Clarissa, I'm going to patch you. I'm going to patch you on to Felipe. Felipe, do you have any questions? Yes, Clarissa. Hi, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Now. Uh, I follow you on social media and everything. So first off, I want to congratulate you. I, I believe you're a first-time homeowner, so I want to congratulate you on that. Thank you. Where'd you buy the home? Is it in Florida? Is it that your permanent home now? No, I got me a house in Michigan. Oh, okay. Um, now, my first question is: You sound very confident with uh, your fight with um, Christina Hammer, and you. You're confident that you're going to stop her. And I'm sure that you're very confident in every fight that you go in. But which of the opponents that you've had so far is the one that surprised you the most that that didn't go out as easily as you thought they were? None of them. See, if you ever hear me say that, I'm going to knock a girl out. Well, majority of them. I say because, you know, of how hard I'm training. It's not the lack of them. Is of how hard I'm training. You know, I don't, I'm not fight. Um, I mean, people people want me to say Hannah Gabriel, but that was not my hardest fight. Like as with with me being a pro. I mean, people can say, oh, it was competitive. She dropped me, but I won every round after being dropped. So that wasn't my most competitive fight. My most competitive fight was, I can say, my pro debut against Franchine Cruz. <laughs> that was one of. One of my, you know, to me, that was a tough fight. We fought here in Vegas. It was a high altitude. I couldn't breathe. She couldn't breathe. And we were throwing bombs at each other. And it was our pro debut. Like, those are one of those kind of pay-per-view fights. So, you know, Franchine Cruz has been one of my toughest opponents, being a professional. Uh, Hannah Gabriels was a, you know, she was a good fighter, and she caught me with a lucky punch. But it was a flash knockdown. It's not like she hurt me and I was, you know, dizzy and, and uh, wobbly legged and, you know, couldn't continue. No, she she almost quit seventh round. Her husband was considering throwing in the towel, so no, that was not my hardest fight. It was against Franchon Cruz. Now, were you surprised that your your last fight, Herman, was able to stay for the ten rounds? I mean, you were hitting her with some pretty big shots, and she didn't go. Did that surprise you? 
No. Well, first and foremost, she was a big girl. She was taller than me. And I think that, I mean, nobody can probably see it from the outside of the ring or really understand it, but she was very awkward. You know, like she would wait till I finished punching and then she would just run forward with punches. Not like come forward using any kind of form or where I could be like, oh, she's going to throw a right hand, let me slip to the left. Or she's going to throw a hook, let me slip here. It's like she was very unorthodox. I mean, she was throwing from everywhere, head down. Um, I mean, just just throwing. It wasn't nothing that you can kind of calculate, you know. So she was like a really, you know, different kind of fighter. And I was like, what the hell? So I more of had to, you know, fight on my terms and, and, and really try to figure out. But it was like it really wasn't anything to figure out because it was like she didn't have a set game plan. One round, she was like, okay, I'm going to jab at her. The next round, she's like, I'm just going to run at her. It was like she did something different or did multiple things in one round where you was like, okay, you don't know which kind of boxing style she has. I mean, she switched from southpaw to 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 the right-hand stands back and forth, and I was like, what the hell? But she wasn't landing any shots. I mean, it was easy as I thought it was going to be. I won every round, but it was like she was very, you know, she was very different. And uh, every time I got on a rope knot and I started hitting her, she would just tie me up <laughs> every time. So, she was an aqua fighter, but, I mean, I almost got her out of there. But, but that's still, once again, it's not about her. It's about me. If you, if you, when you watch the fight, you will see that a lot of my punches, especially my hooks, landed incorrectly. Didn't land on my knuckles. And that's how I ended up hurting my hand. So when you look at stuff like that, once again, you can't say, oh, she's tough and she took all your punches. Like, some punches didn't land the right way. Um, the body shots were killer. I did a great job there, but... Also, a lot of my hooks that came to the head didn't land the right way. So, you know, stuff like that where I have to take in, take into consideration going into my next fight. Now, you had a, a really extensive amateur career, and uh, now you're a pro. You're going into your ninth fight as a pro. Have you? Do you feel that your that your style has? You know, have you gone into a pro style? Have you evolved into a pro style? Or do you think you still need to work that with your trainer, uh, John David Jackson? We're getting there. I mean, you never know as a fighter. There's never a fighter that's perfect. So I just believe in, in like, you know, small improvements each fight. You know, and that's what I believe in. I don't believe I'm ever going to be, like, a perfect fighter. But I, but I do know that I that I have gotten better every fight, and I have implemented my game plan and implemented what I wanted to do that fight and completed my goals for that fight. So it's more of like, you know, just trying to figure out that balance of aggression, that balance of thinking, that balance of using your jab, the balance of using the combination. It's just different, and then also it's different for every opponent. So, I mean, I'm still figuring that out, but I think for me to have, you know, eight fights and me going into my ninth fight and even being able to, for people to know that I'm on a level to become undisputed and that I have a 99% chance of winning this fight, to me that's a huge feat, you know. And even when if I have to fix my, you know, fix some things, I mean, Hammer won't be my last fight. After I beat her, I, like, I still have time to fix my mistakes and get better. So, I mean, it's just, it's just one fight at a time, one round at a time. So I'm not really, you know, I'm not going to pressure myself too much, but I know that I have improved each fight. I know you said that it's all about how you go into the fight and not so much your opponent, but here you're facing an undefeated fighter, former world champion, possibly, um, you know, you're in the eyes of the boxing world, your biggest threat at 160 pounds. So once you beat Christina Hammer, what's going to get you this excited um, at this weight class, or do you think you need to go lower and try to find other opponents with big enough names? You know, I've said it, and I'll say it again. I would love to fight against Cecilia Brockett at 154. If, you know, people, I've, I've come down from 168 to 160 and been to be 154. That's three weight classes. I believe that, you know, Cecilia Brockett should come up to 154. And it's not really fighting for any belt. It's more fighting like the two undisputed champions meeting at 154 to decide who's the real pound for pound because they consider her the pound for pound champion. When I when I feel like pound for pound overall as a boxer, I'm a I'm a better fighter. I feel so. I, so I want to fight her to just prove that she's number two and I'm number one, and we can both keep our belts at sixty and forty seven. You know, I just I just want to have that pound for pound spot, and I believe that that'll be the first 
Well, I believe believe that, believe that that'd be the second women's pay per view match, and it'd be worthy of 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 pay per view because they're both, you know, superstars in their own right. Okay, Clarissa, thank you. Those are the questions I had. David, do you have anything more for uh, Miss Clarissa Shields? Uh, no, just uh, good luck uh, in your show tomorrow, and uh, we'll be seeing you in Atlanta City. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. See you guys then. Thank you, Clarissa. Thank you, Clarissa. Have a good night. Okay. You too. Thank you. And there you had it, Miss Clarissa Shields, the current WBC, IBF, and WBA middleweight champion, and also two-time gold medalist. And I think, David, we have our second guest, first time on the two-minute round where we have two different guests calling in. We should be calling from 818? That would be, uh, it could be Rod. Well, let's see who it is. Let's patch him in. Uh, go ahead, 818. Rod, who have... Oh, it's there you go. We have Rod, guys. Rod Cruz. Rod... Is it Rod Hart Cruz or Rod Cruz Hart? Oh, my God, Felipe. I'm going to start calling you Frank. I'm going to call you Frank. Hey. Hey, man. You're a surprise. You're a surprise call. First off, you called me Ronald in the interview. But you know what? I'm good. It's good. Sorry about about that. I I didn't know know you were calling in, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead, David. Uh, So, so Rod, uh, we just had Clarissa. She just got off the air. Um. Yeah, tell, tell us about the show. A lot of people don't know that that Rodney actually uh, was a big uh, reason that Clarissa is on this TV show, and Michaela, he, he was a big part of this uh, boxing show that that's going to be on the Family Feud. Tell us a little bit about it, Rod. Okay, my man. Well, Dave, uh, I'm going to call you Dave because you call me by the right name all the time. I'm joking. So, um, <laughs> so the Family Feud is. It's a good show. I mean, this is the second time we've done this show where it's always current and legendary world champions. It's a fight for charity. It's a celebrity family feud. It's the second time we've done it. And this go-around, I was like, I helped them pick quite a few of the guests, and sometimes they have their own. But I wanted to put the women on the show as well. And, you know, I'm blaming you, David, for making me so involved in women boxing as well as men boxing because I've had all a lot of the guys on the show I've promoted them with Goosen before he passed away. But honestly, Dave, the women deserve their platform. They're exciting to watch. And just listening to Clarissa's interview, I can't wait to not watch her fight again. So the women have their they need to be center stage with the men because all these women on the show, they're just like half the men on the show. We have five Olympians of ten people on the show. That's pretty huge. Yeah, that's a, that's a good turnout. And, uh, tell us some of the, the other fighters that are going to be in the show. Um, Clarissa named a few of them, but, but she wasn't able to name more than five. Who are some of the others? Sure. Are, well, who are, who are those? Okay, we've got Andre Ward on the show. We know his accolades. Olympian, gold medalist, world champion. We've got Amir Khan, also an Olympian. We've got Clarissa and Michaela on the show, Olympians as well. And we've got Danny Swift Garcia is going to be on. We've got Josecito Lopez. We've got Andre Berto. We've got James Tony. And we've got another Olympian and Antonio Tarver. So we've got a stacked cast of people on the show fighting for charity. It's a great, great opportunity for boxing to stay out in the forefront. Yeah, that's great news. Uh, that's a great job you're doing there, Rod. Uh, also, tell us that you also have a show that's coming up, and a lot of people didn't know that. That uh, well, for those who don't know, Rod is also a promoter. Uh, Rod, tell us about the show that's coming up. Yeah, I mean, well, last time we talked, I was doing the show in Mexico as well. Felipe, I didn't see you if you were there, but. Um, we had some girls on the card. It was great. We had uh, Phoenix from Chicago. We had Aida Satipadanova from Kazakhstan. And we're going to do another show here in TJ. So I also keep make sure on my show there's always at least two women on the card all the time. It's very important to me because the women are so exciting to watch. But, yeah, what we're going to do on our show in Mexico this weekend, it looks like The Zone took a page of all of our book and fighting at the uh, auditorium, at the uh, municipal auditorium. So it's like, no problem. We're going to fight around the corner. It's TJ, the boxing capital of the world. So we'll still have a fight. We have over 20 fights going on. 
to the Cheer Sports Bar and Grill. And everyone, it's a great intimate atmosphere, so it won't be the huge arena that you can't see unless you get parachuted into your seat. And uh, I'm going to have my special guest will be James Tony and Antonio Tarver going down there. So they'll have Brandon Rios, and we'll just have boxing royalty on ours. That's all. Just maybe 12-time <laughs> world champion, five-time world champion, you know, in an intimate setting, you know, where you get a chance to meet the guys, you know. And for those who won't know them, all they got to do is Google. It's kind of hard, you know. You got James Tony, one who was in the Muhammad Ali movie, he played Joe Frazier, and then you had Antonio Tarver, who was in the Rocky movie. So, not to mention, I mean, some of these guys have fought some of the best people in the world. You got come on, Tarver fought Roy Jones and beat him twice. I mean, come on, that says a lot in itself. James Tony, he's got huge accolades, but I mean, for the people who wouldn't know, he beat Amanda Holyfield. So, and I mean, that was a that was a bad beating he put on the Vander, but you know, again, respect to all the people who laced him up, and I was just excited to have the ladies on the show this year too, and you know, the ladies always have a spot on my show and my promotions that I do, especially now, even on the family feud. Yeah, that's a great thing you're doing, Rod, for, for female boxing. Uh, boxing needs more promoters like you. There's not enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been making, we've seen a lot of headway, though. I mean, the Bella, I mean, I've done shows with the Bella with Paul Williams and Martinez, those two fights we did together with Goosen. And I would never think that I would see that. You know, I never thought that I would see the day that HBO and Showtime both would have women on the main event. I never thought I'd see the day that I'd be working real close with the female fighter either. But my uh, mind has been changed because I see all the hard work they put in. And you know what? Hard work deserves my effort as well. And it's just like I said, you can't go wrong. It's just an exciting fight. Felipe, you're going to be down in uh, TJ this weekend? No, I'm actually going out of town this weekend. Tomorrow I'm heading out to your part of the woods, uh, Northern California. So I'm not going to be able to make neither one of those calls. Yeah. It's all right, man. You know, let me know. I got my friends in the barrier that will look out for you, man. Just, Just don't say Ronald. They won't know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. No, quick. I I appreciate you guys for everything that you guys do for the sport. Also, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Dave knows. Also, I work at CBS as well, and I mean, I'm a I'm a huge proponent for sports and true broadcasting. But you know, it's kind of easy to give the accolades to the women that bust their butts out there. So I mean, big kudos to you guys for what you do, and keep it up, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it, thank Rod. And, much, uh, Rod. Thank you for calling in. And uh, when you got some news regarding uh, Aida, let us know. Will do, guys. Will do. Pleasure talking All to right. you guys. Thank you very Talk much. Again, have a Rod. good night. All right. Good night. And there you have it. What Rod? I, I get his name. I get his last name confused. It's Rod. Rodney Hunt Cruz. Rodney Hunt Cruz. That's it. There it is. I get it confused. I'm not too good with uh, with two yeah. uh, two last names. Yeah, he was responsible for, for, for having Clarissa and Michaela on the show for the uh, Family Feud tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be taped tomorrow, and then they'll be shown in May. Broadcasting in, in May. Well, we had a little bit different start to the show, David. We had a little bit of technical dif- difficulties, um, and we started off with uh, our interviews, one with Clarissa Shard, uh, Shields, I'm sorry, and the second with promoter and manager Ronnie Hunt Cruz. But now we can jump into the actual show where we'll go ahead and talk about uh, the fights that we saw in the last couple of weeks and the fights that are coming up. And, of course, a little bit of uh, some fight chatter of some news and notes that have gone down in the boxing world. We're going to start off with a rewind into the fight results. And you touched on this fight not too long ago in our interview with Clarissa Shields. Whereas on Saturday, February the 8th in Berlin, Germany, Christina Hammer came back from a medical issue to stop Eileen Sigmashevili in an eight-rounder. In the, she stopped her in the second round in a scheduled eight-rounder at 160 pounds. Time where it was 35 um, seconds of the second round. I don't know if, if there was... Footage. I think I saw just a knockout, David, but I don't think I, I don't think I saw footage of the whole fight. Uh, no, I didn't see anything either. Okay, and then on the same night, 
from the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, formerly known as the Tubhub Center and formerly formerly known as the Home Depot Center, TGB Promotions gave us on Showtime Ava Knight in a technical draw against Argentinian Luna del Mar Torroba. That was scheduled for eight rounds. The fight was stopped in the third round after an accidental headbutt uh, caused a pretty bad gash over the left eye of Ava Knight. The fight was stopped, and according to California rules, it goes to a technical draw because they didn't finish the fourth round. David, were you in the house for that? No, actually, I was in uh, India for another card. Okay, so uh, Ava, you know, she started to get fights with Mayweather Promotions, kind of stuttering and sputtering there, but she is getting fights. This opponent didn't get uh, announced till the weigh-in, but it was a pretty good opponent. Luna del Mar Torroba is, is, a, is a veteran. She's an experienced fighter. She would have given uh, Ava Knight some rounds, but unfortunately they, they suffered the headbutt, and uh, Ava now is going to be out for a little bit since uh, she had to get sutured. Uh, over her left eye on the eyebrow, I actually seen some pictures of it, and it looks pretty. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see pictures of the actual cut, but I saw of the suture uh, afterwards. She posted that on on her Instagram, and it looked like it was pretty a pretty big cut. So hopefully she has a speedy recovery and she gets a, a fight pretty soon. On Saturday, February 15th from the Grand Casino in Hinkley, Minnesota, top rank gave us on ESPN, actually on ESPN, not ESPN Plus, Michaela Mayer scoring a unanimous decision against Yareli La Chololita Larios in an eight-rounder. La Mayer defended her NABF 130-pound title. The scores were 80-72, 79-73, and I think a more accurate 78-74. Maybe the rounds were closed. They were action-packed, but I think the Mayer won the rounds um, pretty convincingly. I don't know if she won all eight rounds. She could have won seven. She could have won six. Um, in the sec, I think it was the second round. She got caught with a pretty hard left hook. I think it's the the yeah. hardest punch that she's ever gotten hit by as a professional. But other than that, I was more impressed by Ladios. I didn't think Ladios was going to go the distance. Uh, but she gave a good showing for herself. But again, Mayer was able to defend the title, dominate the fight, but you did see a step up in competition in Larios, David. Uh, yes, it was very, it was a it was an interesting fight because um, Larios is has that uh, straight well not straight ahead style but an aggressive style, and she gave she did give uh, Michaela some some problems the first two rounds and then you could you could actually like see the gears uh, turning in Michaela and. And then around the third round, she just slipped in the gear and then took off right after that. And uh, but uh, Yareli Larios was, uh, you know, she was game, and um, they slugged it out a couple of times, and uh, it was pretty interesting to see. Uh, it was a good fight. Uh, I think Larios showed a lot of heart because she took some big shots herself, and she hung in there, especially those body shots. She took some vicious body shots. But it just goes to show, and we've talked about it here before, the the virtuoso matchmaking of top rank. I mean, here you have Michaela Mayer with, I believe it was nine fights before this fight. She's fought some good opponents, but no opponents that maybe would have given her a run for her money. Gave her that confidence, got her that belt, had her move around in the ring, learn how to throw punches as a professional, and then you put her in with a little bit step up in Larios. And even though she struggled a little bit in the beginning, like you say, David, she was able to uh, find her groove in the second half and just dominate the fight. So top rank, I don't know who's matchmaking her. I don't know if it's Bruce Trampler or if it's Brad Goodman. But they're doing an excellent job just like they've done 100 times before. Yeah, I'm surprised because, you know, they've never really had a lot of experience with female prize fighting. So for them to be able to, to figure it out, you know, that's that's pretty good stuff because they're very familiar with the men, but the women, that's a different story. And, and it takes a little more uh, homework, and they seem to do the homework very well. Yeah, exactly. They they probably weren't that – I mean, top rank, if, of all the promoters, the major promoters that are out there, top rank – was the least signed uh, female fighter uh, 
they've done they had worked with female fighters in the past they had worked with um yeah. christy martin and and you know mia st john and, and things like that for pay-per-views for the mike tyson pay-per-views or well, actually don king used christy uh christy martin for those uh mike tyson uh pay-per-views but you, there was never any indication that top rank would even consider uh you know a female fighter they signed mayor and now, you know, like you say, I think maybe Bruce Trampler and Brad Timmy see it as a challenge. You know, like you say, they're so familiar with the male fighters. They know how to how to match make a male fighter and take them to as far as his talent is going to take them, many of them world champions. And now they have a new challenge, something they've never done before in a female fighter. And I think that may be something they're enjoying. Yeah, you know, it is a challenge. It's It's a brand new world for them. And I'm, I'm sure they like it. And now, um, at the same night, February 15th, from the Poly Forum, Ciudad Cuauhtémoc in Chihuahua, Mexico, Jamilet Mercado scored a unanimous decision over Ali Sanchez in a 10-rounder in 122 pounds, scoring the vacant WBC international title scores there were 100 to 90, 99 to 91, and 97-93. And lastly, in the results... From the Oasis Hotel Complex in Cancun, Mexico, Promesones del Pueblo gave us on Televisa. Yesenia Gomez scored in the majority decision over Erika Hanawa in a 10-rounder, defending her 108-pound WBC title. Scores there were 97-93 two times and 95-95, David. This fight was a pretty good fight. I, I watched it. Yesenia I, Gomez. Yeah. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I actually watched it, too. I had a different scoring. Okay. I actually thought uh, uh, the Japanese fighter should have got the the 97-93. But that's my own, you know, without being there. It's kind of different when you're watching it on TV and and watching it in person because you can hear the blows. But Mm -hmm. I I felt that the Japanese fighter slipped a lot of punches and that uh, she scored a lot. So 97-93, that's a 7-3, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I had, I had a little bit closer. I watched it too. I had Gomez winning, but I had it a six four. So that would have been a ninety six ninety four. I mean, if you want to make a case for ninety five ninety five, you can. I mean, even if you want to make a case for um, Hanawa winning by one round, I mean, you would have to uh, uh, twist my arm to go with that. But <laughs> I believe that I believe that Yenetania Gomez. I mean, I did. I I. I think she landed the harder punches. I mean, Hanawa was a lot busier, but Yesenia Gomez, even though she was fighting on her back foot, I think that she was catching Hanawa coming in and scoring the straighter, harder punches. But I do concede that Hanawa was the busier of the fighter, especially in the second half when Gomez seemed to get uh, tired, which is kind of surprising, David, because they were fighting, uh, I would believe, near um, sea level since it was in Cancun, Mexico, which is her hometown, Jesenia right. Gomez's hometown. But she actually uh, uh, she actually trained in the, in Mexico City for the for most mm. of her camp was in Mexico City. So she's coming from a high altitude going down to near sea level in Cancun and she seemed to be the fighter that got tired because it I didn't see any quit in Hanawa as far as conditioning. So I was kind of surprised that that those roles reverse as far as a as a conditioning. So we'll see what's next. You know, we'll see what's next with Gomez. Majority decision defending her uh, WBC 180 pound title for the first time. Um, and those were the fight results for the last couple weeks. Now moving on to a little bit news and notes. Obviously, we had the interview with Clarissa Shields. It's a it's a known fact that her fight with Christina Hammer is a done deal for April 13th on Showtime. That's going to be in Atlantic City, and it's going to be for at least all the marbles that Shields holds, which is the WBC, IBF, and WBA world titles. David, do you think it's going to be as easy as she thinks it's going to be? Uh, you know, it's a good question. Um I think that Clarissa Shields has the potential to dominate. She really does have the potential. Um, Hammer, I, I haven't seen her enough. She is very tall. I stood right next to her face to face. She's very tall, but, but Clarissa is very tall too. 
Um, she's not as tall as Christina, but she's pretty tall. But I just think that speed might be a little too much for Christina. We'll see. You know, I mean, a smart fighter can figure out things. It's not always just about speed. It's about timing, about defense, about setting up. There's a lot of things that go into a fight. Maybe Christina has that. I don't know. Uh, I But I think Clarissa has the overall uh, athleticism. Well, Clarissa Shields, in her boxing career, whether it be professional or amateur, only has lost once in her whole entire life. And it was in the, in the Olympics against a taller fighter and a, a fighter from Europe, which we mentioned here before, they have a different style. It was the Olympics. It was a it was a world a world championship. Uh, oh I yeah, think you're right. World championship, not, not Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It couldn't have been Olympics, then she wouldn't have won the gold medals. Although I think one of those, because I think if you watch the documentary, the the Clarissa Shields documentary, and if you haven't had a chance, I think that if you search for it on Netflix, you can find it. And I believe that mm-hmm. when she lost to. Uh, what's it, the Marshall, Savannah Marshall, that she was almost out of the Olympics and another fighter had to lose. And I might be wrong, but I, but I think I remember it this way that she had, that another fighter from a different country had to lose so that Shields could go on to the next round. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't remember if it was like some kind of trial or or the world championship or something like that, which but but nevertheless she lost to her, has never been able to um avenge that loss. She might in the future. Serena Marshall is a professional now. She's had a little bit up and down career. She signed with Mayweather promotions, left them after a year and only getting one fight with them, and then went on and signed with a uh English uh promoter. But you know, if anything, if Christina Hammer is going to do anything, it's going to try to find footage of that fight. Not that Clarissa Shields fights the same way, because obviously she has developed somewhat from that those amateur years. But, if I mean, that's the only blueprint that you're going to find, that you're going to see what Savannah Marshall did to be able to, to defeat Clarissa Shields. So if Christina Hammer is smart, she's going to look for that blueprint and see what she can take from it, David. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be the smart thing, but the other thing, too, is it's only a four-round fight, and this mm-hmm. is the, the pros of ten rounds, and you can get lucky and win a four-round fight, but it's hard to get lucky in a ten-round fight. Yeah, but then but then again, you're going to see other things, too. You're going to see Christina Hammer have an advantage in experience as far as a professional. You know, she's taller. Uh, she might have a longer reach. So, I mean, if she's going to use something, she's going to have to use that reach and that jab and try to keep Clarissa Shields at bay. But Clarissa Shields knows how to fight on the inside. She knows how to fight on the outside. She knows how to get in on the inside, which she's going to have to do against a taller hammer, slightly taller hammer. And if anybody's going to be able to teach her what she needs to do, it's going to be John David Jackson, who's a trainer now. So I agree with you, David. I think that it's going to that Shields has the edge. She should be the favorite in the fighter. Um, and as far as her knocking out Hammer, I mean, it's just a matter of seeing that first big punch landed by Shields and see if Hammer uh, can take it or not. Yeah, the fact that we're talking about it extensively just shows you that this is a fight that people are going to want to see. I mean, this is a fight that boxing fans, not just female, female boxing fans, but all fans are going to want to see on uh, April the 13th. Yeah. The only thing that I, and, and this is something that I touched on since Shields went pro, is that, um, you know, and like I asked her in the question in, in the interview, it's like, what's next? I mean, what's going to excite? I mean, everybody, like you say, David, everybody's excited about this fight. They believe that this is her biggest challenge today. This is going to be a good fight. I mean, there's some people out there that think that Hammer has a very good chance at winning. Um, but then once, once if, if Shields wins this fight, What's next? I mean, there is no other name in the middleweight division that even comes close to exciting anybody, let alone Clarissa Shields, in, in for a fight 
She moves down to 154. She already beat one of the best fighters there in Ana Gabriels. So now it's Cecilia Breakhouse. But Cecilia Breakhouse, you know, she's not a young fighter. She's in her late 30s. Who knows if she even wants to fight Shields. So what makes us excited after this fight about a Clarissa Shields fight? Well, I think the one significant thing that happened about a month ago and doesn't even boxing is the fact that Cyborg lost and got knocked out. Uh, I think that took away that mega fight that Cecilia uh, Bocas was looking for. And I think the only other one that exists at that same magnitude is Clarissa Shields, especially if she beats uh, Christina Hammer. But one thing, Hammer is affiliated with um, 360, which uh, which also has uh, Cecilia Bocas. So, I mean, that's, that's the one common denominator uh, that that has that Clarissa has that she can she beats Christina, then she could probably beat Cecilia, I and mean, that'll be a great fight. But but I think you're going to agree, David, that and I agree with you to a certain to that certain point. But you're going to agree that Cecilia Breakhouse at this point has more options than Clarissa Shields. I mean, not that it would be as big as Clarissa Shields or even any room. Any big name, but she ha- she can fight Jessica McCaskill. She can, or if she sure. wants to fight, a, she can fight. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this were to happen. She can fight um, Amanda Serrano. You know, so there's other options that that could say that could, or she could fight yeah. a rematch with Callie Reese. So there's other ap- options there. She could go up to 154 and fight Ana Gabriels who just signed with Debella, so she's going to start getting promoted here in the United States, hopefully. So there's other options for Cecilia, or she can fight Leila MacArthur, the fight that everybody wants to see. So there's other options for Cecilia Breakhouse for us to say, I'm excited to see that fight. I'm excited to see her against Leila MacArthur. I'm excited to see her against Amanda Serrano. I'm excited to see her against Jessica McCaskill. I'm excited to see her against Ana Gabros. After this fight for, after this fight for, uh, uh, for Shields, what other fighter can we say we're excited to see her against? Yeah, there is a Fanchon Cruz, like she mentioned there. Fanchon did give her a good fight. I True. was there. Another rematch. Uh, I was uh, I was amazed. And, and the sad thing is that it was the very first fight on the whole card. So not very many people were there. And take my word for it, it was the best fight on the whole card. And that was the Andrew Ward, Sergei Kovalev first fight. Is mm-hmm. that the Cecilia Shields Sunshine Cruise fight was the best fight. And not just because I do female boxing that I covered extensively. No, it it just was the best fight. I mean they mm-hmm. were exploding on on each other. Now another fighter that may be coming down and not that she's a threat to Clarissa Shields, but at least it would pit her against a fighter from a country that has very passionate fans and you could make a case that it could be not a huge fight, but a big enough fight because of where she's from that could make sense and kind of hype it up. And that would be Alejandra Jimenez, La Tigre, who is formerly the heavyweight champion. She fought on the same card as Yesenia Gomez and Erika Hanawa. She actually defeated Iraiz Hernandez, who she had a draw against, and she, they fought at 168 pounds. So she is making I, her way down, David. Yeah, I didn't get to see that fight. Did you get to see it? No, uh, I haven't seen any footage, but I haven't seen any footage, but I'm going to look for it. But, but there's a name. She comes from Mexico, so she has that country behind her. She's undefeated. She's a former WBC heavyweight champion, so she is a world champion uh, prior to this. Now, one thing that Alejandra Jimenez has stated is that she's looking for a fight against Franchon Cruz. So she would like to fight Franchon Cruz for the 168-pound WBC title. And if she were to beat her, which I don't know if she would or not because Franchon Cruz is pretty tough, um, who's to say that A... Shields doesn't go up again to 168 to face her, or Alejandro Jimenez keeps going down to 160 and tries to look for a fight against Shields. Yeah, those are some very interesting matchups. I mean, I really hope we get to see all of those. Uh, that would be interesting. Alejandro is a big puncher. Um, I don't know if she can carry that punch down, 
uh, or even play the, any kind of speed. That's why I'm curious about seeing this last fight because I want to see how she looks at 168. I'm gonna look for footage. If I send it, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you, David. Oh great, great! I really want to see that. Now, <laughs> yeah, I mean too. I want to see her how she does it. That way, she ended up being the fighter that who was pretty tough. Who also who also uh, fought to a drug in that undefeated fighter against the Eastern Bloc of Europe. Forgot her name, Kozlik or Edna Kozlik or something like that, who had some regional titles um, and uh, still undefeated. They fought to a draw, and then he, she beat her, the, the Eastern Bloc fighter. Um, now, the other news that came out this last couple of weeks or last week is Nicola Adams, who was set to challenge for the full-fledged WBO flyweight title against Arely Muzinho, who was our guest on our last show, suffered a shoulder injury, David, and now has to postpone that fight. Um, we actually had the chance to communicate with Arely Muzinho after the announcement of the, uh, of, the, of the injury to Nicola Adams, and Muzinho let us know that as far as she knew, Nicola Adams had hurt her shoulder and they had given her three weeks to recuperate. But she, and that the date that they were giving her, the new date was in late March. But Monsigno didn't sound all too sure that that could happen because she, she expected for Nicola Adams to take three weeks off to recuperate from the injury and then um, need some time to get back in the in the groove of things and train, and that wasn't going to just be enough time by the end of March. So, Arely Musi, you said her and her yeah. team are looking uh, ahead, and they're looking to defend the WBO title against the uh, against whoever the WBO will mandate her to or accept on April 13th in her hometown of Monterrey, Mexico. Obviously, that fight will be broadcast live in Mexico on the Azteca channel. But one thing that she did let me know is that this fight was actually surprised, David. This is a big surprise to me. It was actually mandated by the WBO because Nicola Adams is the interim champion and now and Arely Musini is a full-fledged champion, and the WBO actually mandated the fight. So that's why she was taking the fight and going to England to defend the title. Wow, that's interesting. So they're basically um, shutting her into that fight. <laughs> yeah, and I find it surprising because as we have stated here before, and a lot of people that follow female boxing know, the WBO doesn't even have rankings. And for them to, and I find it kind of surprising because Paco de la Carcel is Puerto Rican, Latin American, speaks Spanish. Arely Muzinho made her way out to the uh, to the um, convention this year, so she was over there. And for them to mandate her to having her to, you know, defend against such a tough fighter as Nicola Adams, I found that a little bit surprising. I don't know if Frank Warren has a much better relationship with with Paco Valcarcel than, than Fernando Beltran does, who is the president of Sanford and Arely Muzinho's um, promoter, or the purse was just that good that Arely Muzinho didn't even say anything, just ended up accepting the fight. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe there was the money uh, part that uh, Arely uh, like Maybe she just got offered too much to refuse. Mm-hmm. Well, David, do you have any uh, fight news, any fight chatter that you want to share with us? Well, there is a uh, big fight uh, on Saturday in Tijuana with uh, Felisa Estrada. Yeah, we'll and, go over those. Um, we'll go over those uh, right okay. now in the in, in the calendar. But do you have anything that's going down the pipeline that that might be some news? Uh, not at this moment. Not at this moment. Okay, so let's move on to the upcoming calendar, which is for the next two weeks. Our next show here on the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world, is scheduled for March 7th, Thursday, March 7th, every other Thursday here on Block Talk Radio. So um, the upcoming calendar uh, goes as follows. Saturday, February the 23rd from Marne, France, and Sophie da Costa will be taking on Evgenia Sablukaiva in an eight-rounder at 112 pounds. And like David mentioned it, from the Auditorio Municipal in Tijuana, Mexico, Sanford, along with Matchroom Boxing USA, is going to give us on the zone 
Siniesa Estrada defending her WBC Silver 108-pound title against Jennifer Leon in a, in a scheduled 10-rounder, and Sulem Urbina taking on the tough Judith Rodriguez in a six-rounder at 112 pounds. Now, we had a chance to speak to Siniesa Estrada earlier this week. Uh, the preview to that fight should be coming out on thepricefires.com hopefully tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow. And uh, some interesting things, David, and this is something that we talked about off the air, is that by the by the talks that Finesse had, well, the conversation that we had and by the way that she was talking, it seemed like everybody was on board with the following plan. And when I mean everybody, I mean her, her father and manners, manager slash trainer, Joe Estrada, and her, and her trainer, Dean Campos, as well as a promotional company, Golden Boy Promotions, whereas she's going to defend this title against Jennifer Leon, and if everything comes out good, in May, she will be going down to 105 pounds and challenging the WBA minimum weight champion, Anabel La Avispa Ortiz. And then if everything works out good with that, defend that title, go up to 108, win a, a full-fledged title there, and then maybe in the future go up to 112 and look for some titles there, David. So why she doesn't want to go for the WBC 108 or any other other 108 titles, or if she feels that Anabel Ortiz is easier prey, she feels that she's going to be stronger and faster at 105, a weight class that she has never made, but she feels pretty confident that she can make it. I don't know, but she she seemed in our conversation pretty adamant that that's the plan they want to follow. That's an interesting plan. Um, to skip on a weight, is, uh, she holds that title now for the service division, but uh, it would be interesting to see her fight somebody like uh, Kenya Enriquez or, or any of those one weight uh uh, top uh, challenges. They're all very, very good. And I, I would love to see those, but you know, they have their own plan. Uh, I think she can make that 105 pretty easy. Uh, she walks around pretty close to that weight. And uh, she actually fights under 108 and sometimes eats to get up there. Uh, she mm-hmm. doesn't have to really lose weight. She has to gain weight to make 108. Yeah. So I understand that part. That part about fighting 105, but the only the other thing is that there really isn't that many people that fight at 105 that will make you any money. Well, no, the only one is Avispa Ortiz because she's the only Mexican, and then the rest of the champions at 105 are Asian, either Japanese or Thai yeah. fighters, uh, in from that area, and they hardly ever travel to this side of the world because nobody's paying them to. So. Um, yeah. Unless Golden Boy wants to bring them, and I doubt that they would. Um, I mean, the only thing that I can see is that if she can make 105 and she feels she could beat Ortiz, then that's just a way to win in the title, and then she can move back one to 108. Now, the fighters that you mentioned at 108, like Enriquez and Yesenia Gomez and even Esmeralda Moreno, and if they want to be who they Who's that? Well, uh, Lourdes at 112, though. I forget that she Yeah, she's at 112. Um, but if any of those fighters that we mentioned at 108 want to be the top fighter in that weight class, they have to fight each other. At one point or another, there has to be a round robin, and they have to fight each other because if one gets the top spot without having fought one or the or one or two of the other ones that we mentioned, we're not going to consider them the top fighters. So if if Estrada wants to call herself the best 108 in the world, she's going to have to fight Jessica Tutti-Bob. She's going to have to fight Enrique. She's going to have to fight Jessenia Gomez and vice versa. Um, not so much Tutti-Bob. I think Tutti-Bob has consequences. Tutti-Bob, nobody can deny that at this point she may be the best 108-pound fighter in the world. I don't care what BoxRec says because BoxRec is an algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. But, if you look, but if you look at the skills and their curriculum and their resume, the, the, yeah, you can't say good. there's a better 108-pound fighter than Jessica Tutti-Bop, okay? Mm, um, so so without, without her in the equation, all the other fighters have to face each other to call themselves the 108-pound fighter champion or the best in that division. So she's going to have to go through 108 unless she skips 
the one way division entirely and goes to one twelve. But let me tell you, these girls at one oh eight, with the exception of Bob, who I think is going to retire uh, at one oh eight, they're going to go up to one twelve as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, also on Saturday night from the Performance Arts Center in Dearborn, Michigan, Alicia Baumgartner will be facing Rolanda Andrews in a six-runner, 130 pounds. This is an interesting fight. Not so much because of what's going on in the ring. What's that? Actually, Rolanda Andrews is pretty good. Yeah, and she's a veteran, right? Yeah, she's a hard hitter, too. Well, it's going to be interesting fight in, in and out of the ring as well because when I was researching, when I was putting together the uh, the fight calendar here, um, Real Deal Promotions, which was the Evander Holyfield outfit, which I heard had money problems, and I don't even think they exist anymore, was the promoter on record for Alicia Baumgartner from Ohio, and now they're not listed as the promoter of this fight card in Dearborn, Michigan. So I don't know if they're still involved. I don't know if they just got her this fight to keep her busy because they don't have a fight card in the uh, um, – soon to put her on so i don't know if she's still signed with uh real duo holyfield or if they're still even doing uh fight cards or they're still promoters so we'll see where alicia Baumgartner lands if she is not with uh holyfield promotions anymore yeah she's a, she's a pretty good fighter she lost her last fight against the Greek girl. um but uh hopefully you know you can learn from your mistakes and and come back strong, but you have a tough opponent, Rolanda Andrews, who is pretty strong. And also this Saturday night from, uh, where is this going to be at? From the Twin River City Event Center in Lincoln, Rhode Island, Shelly Vincent faces Edina Kiss again in a scheduled eight-rounder at 126 pounds. They fought last year in May with um, Shelly Vincent winning the majority decision, so I guess she wasn't satisfied with the majority decision, and now she's going to fight her again, trying to make it a little bit more uh, convincing that she deserves the first nod, and that is going to be this Saturday night uh, in Rhode Island. Now, on Thursday, February 28th, I don't know if this fight's happening, David, but I saw it listed. So from the hangar number two in Dallas, Texas, Raquel Miller is scheduled to fight Ashley Curry in a six-rounder at 154 pounds. Raquel Miller, who is from the Bay Area of California and promoted by Lou DeBella. But I saw I, – I don't know how recent the pictures I saw of her on, on the social media, but it looked like she was in, in uh, Indonesia or Taiwan or in somewhere out there uh, – so I don't know if, if those were recent pictures or if she's out there and this fight's not happening because if this fight was happening in the next next week, I would imagine that she'll be training back at home and not on vacation. Yeah, yeah, that's a strange uh, thing. Uh, maybe it's just a mistake on the box record. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was scheduled and then they fell out and they haven't taken it off box rate. On Saturday, March 2nd, from Argentina, Deborah Anaí Dionisius will face Micaela Milagros Luján in a 10-rounder, 115 pounds uh, weight class. And from the Gimnasio Solidaridad in Fresnillo, Mexico, Promociones del Pueblo, Quilza Santa Televisa, none other than Mariana La Barbie Juarez facing Spain's Eva Naranjo in a 10-rounder defending her WBC 115-pound title. So, Mariana, there's no stopping Mariana Juarez. I mean, this fighter, Eva Naranjo, obviously not as experienced as Juarez. She was like a three-time kickboxing or mixed martial arts uh, champion from Spain, but she's trying her luck in boxing. And, um, you know, I think Mariana is just kind of like on a holding pattern, trying to stay busy and trying to see if she can make that fight against Jackie Nava. Yeah, it's an interesting fight. Uh, Eva Narad was uh, undefeated, isn't she? Like eight and something like that. I believe so. Let me look it up. But uh, but and I know she has experience inside a ring uh, in kickboxing and MMA. But she's twelve and zero actually, David. But you know it's oh, okay. apples and apples she's and like oranges. With, let me see how old she is. But it's apple. She's uh, forty years old, David. So uh, she's actually a little bit older than. Then Mariana Juarez, who is like 30, what is Juarez, like 37, 38? Yeah, she's 39, actually, David. So, uh, oh, 39, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, but like I was saying, you know, being the world champion at kickboxing or MMA versus, you know, it's apple and oranges when you're facing the likes 
uh, Mariana Lavarri Juarez. So we'll see how far and how long Eva Naranjo goes on uh, March 2nd in Fresnillo, Mexico, and it's going to be televised on Televisa. And lastly, that same night in Tampa, Florida, Noemi Bosques was still, is still fighting. She's going to be facing Samantha Salazar in a six-rounder at 115 pounds. And Avril Massey from uh, Australia, but based out of Miami, Florida, will be fighting Ivana Coleman in a six-rounder at 118 pounds, David. So those, those are the um, fight schedule for the next couple of weeks. Um, obviously, this Saturday, Inez Estrada, Jennifer Leon, Sulema Urbina, and Julius Rodriguez. You're going to be able to catch that on The Zone in the United States. And then our next show is scheduled for March 7th. But, David, on March 9th, I just saw a, a note on Twitter, and it hasn't been made big news, but it looks like our friend Melissa St. Ville is going to be traveling to Europe to face Delphine Persuna at 135 pounds. Yes, she is. I just talked to her today via her text. And she says, yes, it's official. She'll be fighting in Belgium against uh, Delphine Persoon. She was actually, there you go, but... I actually invited her, I invited her to the show today, but she was sparring late. Uh, so okay, she's getting yeah. ready. Well, we're going to wish her luck, and she's going to be traveling to Europe. She has gone there before. She faced, um, what was the name of the fighter, David? The one that lost to Katie, to Katie Taylor? Uh, Eva P- uh, Eva, Wallstrom, uh, Eva Wallstrom. Wallstrom. Eva Wallstrom. Yeah. So she went over there and faced her in Europe, got a raw deal in her in her eyes, and now she's going to be going over there to face long-reigning WBC 135-pound champion uh, Delphine Persoon. So if the boxing gods are on our side and if Delphine Persoon ends up defeating Melissa Sainville, which I'm not saying she will because Melissa Sainville is no... Uh, easy, easy walk on the park for anybody. But if she does, more than likely, hopefully we will see Delphine Persoon against Katie Taylor sometime this year. Yeah, that would be a good, very uh, solid matchup against either woman. I mean, Melissa or uh, Delphine would be a good matchup for Katie. There you go. Well, that is the end of our show. So without further ado, David, I bid you good night, stay dry, and we will talk again on March 7th. Okay, have a good evening. All right, you too. Have a good night, David, and everybody else, good night. <laughs>